hello. I am so excited to bring you this conversation. I have tried so hard to pin down Helena Port uh, for so long and she is so busy. Um, but I had the great pleasure of talking to her around the fire, over a stove, um, a wood-fired, hand-built pan on a fire type stove um, in June and I've wanted to pin her down to um, a conversation ever since. I hope you enjoy this one. Let me know what you think. Hello and welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. I am so excited to bring you today's guest because she's quite hard to pin down. She's a very, very busy lady. But I was lucky enough to meet her in June this year with my brothers when we finally got to go on a long put off due to COVID holiday, which was just transforming and um, like couldn't recommend it highly enough. And I badgered this person to speak to me on the podcast and I eventually pinned her down and I have her here today. Hello, Helena, how are you? Hello, Jane, I'm good. Good, I'm so pleased that you're here. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you do. Where you do, what you do. (laughs) Well, right now um, I run a... um outdoor adventure business called do the north uh, we do mostly uh, kayaking trips um i run a couple of trips that are food related um like the one that jane came on yay and where we cook a bunch of food over the fire pick wild ingredients and just uh, have a fun decadent time in the wild together um but normally what i do mostly is uh is around the business and all the staff and logistics and customers and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. So let, let's talk a little bit about, so indulgently, I want to talk a little bit about the time I spent with you and what we did, because it was amazing. And I think it's really useful for people to get a flavor of what we did. So um, we, we booked, uh, my brothers and I booked this trip in, Oh my gosh, uh, June 2019 or something. Yeah, it was put off a couple of years. A long time, exactly. So we booked it pre-COVID and we booked it because my mum, who had been diagnosed with secondary breast cancer and she'd said, will you promise me you won't all fall out when I die? And we'd all had a beer and we said, yeah, that's fine. We will still talk. In fact, why don't we just book a holiday together? Because that's a great idea when you're drinking in the sunshine in France in the summer. So we um, we had a look and we found this trip and we, it just ticked all our boxes because for for all of us we like being by the water, um and all of us were brought up to appreciate good food and my God Helena you do do good food on Do the North how on earth did you come up with that brilliant concept because it is it does feel adventurous and it does feel brave and there is outdoor pooing and you know wild camping and all of that stuff you've got to have your shovel. Um, but there's also the most incredible food and you educate people about what they can forage as well, which is just amazing. So how did that idea come about? Well, um, I had spent a few years away from Do the North um, in New Orleans uh, running a restaurant. Um, and when I came back to Do the North, we felt like it'd be fun to do a kayaking trip with a with a culinary direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually started out, you know, in the winter time, I was still in, still in New Orleans, just starting 
research all kinds of wild ingredients that you could possibly find out there um, and also try to figure out what I could source locally. Um, mm -hmm. For example, you know, we get lamb from one of the islands and fish from the fishermen, that kind of thing. Um, and it all kind of started around there. Like once I got there in the summer, just took a kayak, went out and tried to actually find these different wild ingredients. Um, some I found, some I didn't. Um, and um, just deciding on a, a good island to be on where we could be somewhat close to where we could um, use some wild ingredients. And then the dishes kind of just built up from there, from those ingredients and from the ingredients we can source and also wanted to have a bit of a Swedish flair and uh, wanted to use a few different techniques on the fire. And um, it's hard to say exactly how they how they came about, but uh, that's, that's how the trip came about. And then we did the first trip, which um, was way too complicated. I, I had done the menu way way too complicated <laughs> I'd also incorporated kind of a historic concept of you know starting from the 1700s and going forward wow. it was just all too complicated and it was pretty hard to pull off but one of the things that I was really hard about that trip it also rained for three days straight oh um gosh. but uh was not having a proper table um but having to do all this advanced type of cooking outdoors and not being able to stand in a comfortable position and all that um so I kind of dug out some old scout knowledge where we used to build <laughs> big tables when we went to these big camps and stuff and none of the crew believed me when I did my little crappy drawing of what this table was gonna be <laughs> but I you know I had them all cut down trees and we all went out there and then we we built that big table and uh it's kind of it might not seem so significant, but if you guys had been out there without it, uh, it would have not been such a comfortable yeah. experience. So that's one of the things that I like after the first trip, I felt like I have to change this. I got to make that happen. And then, you know, one where we could also sit and eat together because spending all that time into cooking and then being able to sit down at a, at a table and enjoy the meal together, almost like you would in a restaurant, but like with that beautiful, beautiful surrounding. Um, yeah. And it feels even more special because you're you're creating it together. Everyone, everyone, people can choose not to get involved if they don't want yeah, to. Yeah. But the people who go have, I imagine, tend to chosen that trip because they're interested in food. Yeah. So everyone is hands-on, everyone's preparing. We're all kind of standing around the table and helping <laughs> out. And then to sit down together at the table where you've prepped, and mm -hmm. this table, I'm gonna have to so when this episode goes out, I'm gonna put pictures on on my Instagram of this table because. I think table undersells it. A thing of beauty, I think, describes <laughs> it more perfectly. Yeah, I can imagine. So how how on earth did you think, okay, I'm going to keep going. After, after that first time when it rained, there was no table and mm -hmm. the historical context of the dishes didn't quite work in the way you hoped it would. <laughs> how on earth did you decide to keep going with that? Oh, that wasn't a question about keeping going. Uh, of course I would. I would just, um, I would just uh, change it, you know? You learn, you change, um, yeah. and develop it. I knew, it would be, you know, it could be a could be a great trip, and um, um, yeah, I didn't even cross my mind that we weren't gonna 
keep doing it. <laughs> and it really, it really is a completely amazing trip. And what's great about it is that you do bring such culinary depths to it because you are a chef, aren't you? You are, you know, and you mentioned earlier about going to New Orleans and opening mm-hmm. a restaurant there. And you were born in Sweden, right? And and yeah. I have to tell people that like your knowledge of Sweden is embarrassingly impressive like we were all sitting around the fire going I do not know this much about my own country how do you know so much about Sweden it's amazing so it's a real education as well but how did you get to become a chef how where did that journey take you I mean I'm not um in a technical sense a real chef I'm not like a an educated chef I didn't go to culinary school or anything like that I've you know gone more um the experience route but uh it's a it's a pretty long and, and windy story. Uh, I guess um, my first cooking job was in, in London. I was 20 years old and working at this bar and um, I wanted, uh, I had dropped out of an education I was doing in London uh, mm-hmm. and I needed somewhere to stay and to be able to get a live-in position, you know, which is quite common in London for a bar yeah. where you actually live there. Ah the manager was like yeah I have one position for you but it's in the kitchen and I'm like I don't know how to cook (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and I really didn't I didn't know how to cook privately and I hadn't cooked in a professional kitchen at all um but you know I was like yeah I'll give it I'll give it a go wow um and um yeah I was trained by the by the chef there um and I've always liked being fast and being efficient Mm-hmm. of things um and that kind of really that part of it really spoke to me now in hindsight I probably didn't put out the best food it was also <laughs> bar food uh but I kind of got into that whole um um uh the whole vibe in the kitchen where it, it is all about efficiency and mm-hmm. being fast and a lot of pressure um and then my actual cooking skills came later <laughs> where I didn't work in a professional kitchen then for years, but I started taking a lot of interest privately into mm. cooking, just, you know, getting not into all kinds of stuff, whatever I felt like. And um, I also, I really like food as a way to bring people together. Yeah. Um, and um I would always make these feasts and you know I like to I like to party and have a good time and I always find that you know if you invite everybody for a feast it's kind of like special occasion and it becomes I don't know just becomes uh, more of a fun time more of a party so I've, I've done that everybody I know have eaten so many of, uh, of these feasts that I've, <laughs> that I've made over the years um, but um, it was a quite a long time until I worked in a kitchen again it was once I would spend when we were running to the north, we were busy in the summer season, but in the winter season, I would spend it in um, in New Orleans because um, I met um, my daughter's uh, dad there. And uh, I just started working in a brunch cafe to, um, you know, get a little extra income in the winter. And that was when you're cooking breakfast, that's, uh, that's a lot harder than cooking, uh, you know, bar food. Um, why why is that is it because of the coordination of it or yeah it all everything that you do pretty much is cooked to order you can't prepare a whole lot of things but then also eggs are notoriously uh, um, tricky to cook well Um, 
that's kind of like a classic among chefs, you know, if you can cook an egg well, you, you know that they, they got their skills. Um, um, and it's extremely fast paced. It's not like a, a dinner, for example, where, you know, you have your starter and your main and people come in, they want their food quickly. Um, yeah. um, it's one course, isn't it? So they want it bam in front of them. Yeah, yeah. And everything is pretty much cooked to orders. It's, it's an extremely fast paced environment where mm. you got to coordinate. And a lot of different variations of everything that you're making and so on um, and I really really enjoy that adrenaline and the teamwork that yeah. it takes to work on the line like that um so I did that uh for a while in the winters and then just this strange opportunity came along where the guy who ran that place he hadn't kept on very good terms with his landlord and his lease was up and yeah. his landlord didn't want to he didn't want to extend the lease to him anymore. So he was going to lose that place no matter what. So I contacted the the landlord to see if he wanted to rent it to me. And I also gave some money to the previous owner, but, um, <laughs> and, um, um, I didn't want to do it the way he did it. I wanted to do a lot better quality food and better quality ingredients and that kind of thing. Mm. And, um, I didn't, really want to go it alone I, I didn't feel like I had enough experience yeah. in restaurants to go it alone so um brought in my best friend in New Orleans she had worked in restaurants for 15 years or so yeah and um yeah we just started started a restaurant we spent three and a half years on the line together in that restaurant and ran the whole thing and uh, it was a lot of work um, but I learned a lot from her too she had come from fine dining type kitchens yeah um so I learned to cook on a higher level uh, from her. And, oh my uh, goodness. And so yeah. Like, how, how on earth, so what age were you at this point, Helena? Uh, well, that was, let's see, my daughter was two when I started the restaurant. It's, um, I was 32, I guess. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. How, <laughs> how on earth, like, was it just a sort of, this feels like a good idea I'll go and do it or was it really did it feel like a really brave decision to make um, hmm. um I'm quite impulsive I'm a really impulsive person <laughs> <laughs> so once I've decided on something it yeah. kind of to me it feels like I'm making the best decision in the world I'm like convinced this is the best decision I've ever made that's and a good then, way to be, I think. <laughs> and then I just go for. I mean, it's not always good because it can bite you in the ass too to not think <laughs> think through properly. Um, but um, uh, so no, I didn't feel that it was brave. I just felt like, oh, here's an opportunity. Let's go for it. I and mean, I had I... ran, you know, do the north for so many years before. So it's not. Yeah. I've i ran a business before. Yeah. for a long time but not a restaurant <laughs> so I want to come back to do the north in a minute but tell me about so your daughter was two at that time yeah how did you juggle that because that I mean I imagine that running a restaurant is a pretty blooming full-on job yeah. and parenting is definitely a full-on job so how on earth did you manage to combine them both yeah it was rough <laughs> it was definitely the hardest time of my life like yeah. it was relentless the work was relentless working all the time working really hard but and then I had my daughter um half the week uh -huh. and her dad half the week so like on the weekends when we had the really full-on um he took care of my daughter and uh, mm -hmm. then um I took care of her 
the other part. There, there is something to be said for separation, isn't there? In that you do get to hand over the childcare some of the time and you're not responsible yeah. for all of it all the time, which is quite yeah. good. So I, I definitely benefit from that as well myself. So there is something to be said for it. So tell um, me about Do the North then, because mm-hmm. you've been running that for a while. When did that come about? How did that come about? Another long story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, okay. So uh, this one actually also starts in London, um, mm-hmm. in that same bar. <laughs> um, I like this bar. It sounds like a good place to hang out. <laughs> yeah. happened. It was um, it was kind of like a place where um, I don't know if it's still like that, but back then, in, anyway, it was a huge traveler culture in in London with a lot of Australians and New Zealanders because they could get mm-hmm. like a two year visa. And, um, and it was all travelers there. Um, and they just had this zest for adventure. Like they would work money together and then they would go on a trip and then they get some more money together and they go on another trip and they just wanted to see everything in Europe like while while during those two years. Um, and they just made it happen all the time. To there's, go on something, the there's something there, isn't there? So hanging out with people who are being adventurous and doing things and making it look almost effortless yeah it rubs off doesn't it yeah and you're yeah. much braver I think when you're with people like that you think <laughs> well look they're doing that I wouldn't have thought of doing that of course I can do that it really rubs off I think yeah yeah and then then we we did we organized like with you know we had a crew of friends it was me and Thomas we still run oh, yeah. North together um and um we had um or he didn't work at the bar but um he moved there later and he got to know everybody I I knew there um and we just organized this canoeing trip in Sweden like be a fun thing to do uh so um, we went for like a week or something where there were 10 of us and we just had the best time and this was like we were like these are travelers that go everywhere and it's like how can the simple canoeing trip in the forest of Sweden be like the most amazing holiday that we've had and we kind of, you know, realized that it was kind of the freedom of it all and the nature. But anyway, we didn't do anything with it then. Um, it was later, me and Thomas were traveling around New Zealand in a camper van. Mm-hmm. And it was like the rainy day. We had nothing to do, just laying on the mattress. You know, there were no smartphones and stuff back then. And I don't know. It was just kind of a light bulb moment. We were like, man, why don't, why don't we do that? Why don't we organize that kind of trip? to all those travelers, they go on all this other stuff. Why wouldn't they want to go on that? Um, and um, that's how Do the North came about. So when we came home, uh, we just started working really hard. We took a couple of full-time jobs and we had another job in the evenings and the weekends and we worked for two and a half years and then, you know, trying to create this business to on the side. And then we just quit our jobs and moved out to the countryside and Amazing. started doing the North amazing and you've expanded as well haven't you so it's not just you and Thomas anymore you are a bigger company yeah exactly back then it was just us doing everything uh now we're um we're usually about eight or nine of us in the summer season now and they're all very good at making tables now you've trained them in how to make the table which is <laughs> exactly. impressive they whip that up brilliantly and you you've um so you're not just doing the summer trips now either are you because you've done is it the past couple of years that you've done the winter one or have you done that longer we did the first winter trips uh, last year so it's um ski touring trips in a in a different locations uh yeah. where it's um closer to some mountains um and it's also kind of this 
free outdoor experience where we the guides and the group fill out for the day depending on weather and weather and things like that where to go and they try to make it that the kind of crowning achievement of the trip the, the mm -hmm. that you're working way up towards is uh, spending two nights winter camping they go up on a mountain plateau um have all this amazing gear so you're not cold um but you actually go winter camping um and uh yeah spend like three days out there in the snow in the cold um and um yeah it's a pretty adventurous experience for sure uh yeah. it's uh, it's harder than our kayaking trips but it's still not yeah. that hard it's definitely um doable and uh, afterwards everybody's always so so happy that they actually went for the camping part of it because you know it can be a little a little uh, uh, scary to yeah. just be out in the cold for that long and 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 especially if you've got people who are from climates where they don't normally have weather like that yeah you know it's yeah. such a, a different thing isn't it yeah absolutely and also you know everybody's pretty much beginners on touring skis and um yeah never having done we had one girl who'd never camped before in her life not in the summer either that's an <laughs> impressive thing to do for your first camp yeah. oh my goodness she loved it oh that's so cool there is there is something really um like the simplicity and and I don't want to oversimplify it because I know I've seen how much work goes into making it feel simple for everyone and it's not <laughs> simple at all but being in a place where, like for me, my experience, the air was so clean, like kayaking along and sometimes it would just be completely still and quiet. No one would be talking and we'd just be listening to what was going on around us and then trailing your hands through those mini jellyfish in the water. <laughs> and just like it's so magical. And then you have moments where I remember on our kayak on the way back, and we all were bursting into song and we were all singing different songs together and kayaking along <laughs> and you feel you feel invincible but it feels so um you just feel like you're so centered and so in that place and in that moment and i think that we miss that in day-to-day -day living so to create an experience which puts people really in touch with what's going on everything's flooding back as i'm talking about like swimming across to the <laughs> island to go and forage um was just amazing like i remember feeling like i love the water and i wild swim and it's not a problem but i remember like trying to dive in off those rocks and thinking, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to slip. I'm going to fall. And then doing it and just feeling so invincible when I did it. And I think yeah. everyone had experiences of thinking, oh my God, I'm brilliant. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And that's what, you know, the whole kind of business was about was to like be able to present a way for guests to enjoy the freedom that is out there in Swedish nature um, and to have kind of all the tools available so that you can get out there and get into that mode mm. of, of, of just disconnecting from uh, from the world and being in the present you know that's what we what we try to yeah that, that was the whole idea from the beginning well you've nailed it you've totally nailed it <laughs> I mean does it still feel like that for you I know it's different because you you work really hard um like 
just ridiculously hard. The food you turn out is just amazing. Um, but I know you work really hard and you set up the camps and you're doing all the stuff. And, and while we're off having a jolly on the kayaks, you're working hard back at base, you know, clearing everything up and sorting it all out and getting ready for the next meal. And um, But do, do you still have those moments of, holy crap, this is incredible? Um. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe not, maybe exactly like you say, like I have stressed a little bit about everything that needs to get done. Yeah. And, um, and, but I always go out there one day before uh-huh. you guys come out there um, and I'm just all alone out there. just sort and, it, and it is very alone, isn't it? You don't yeah. see it. Uh, really. and so, and then I definitely, uh, definitely get that feeling. Um, and also when we have to, when we try to go out uh, for, for our own kayaking trips, um, it's hard to, to have time during the season. Um, but for example, you know, when we all went out there building that table, we all paddled out the whole crew. Um, um, yeah, it's easier to feel like that when you don't feel so much pressure. Of, um, yeah, because you're responsible for people, aren't you? Yeah, you're yeah. Making sure they're having it. You're making sure they're having those moments, I guess. <laughs> yeah I mean it's still really enjoyable it's just maybe you know get that exact sense of freedom you know yeah different way completely different way yeah so you have guests from all over the world all walks of life I mean when we were there there were um an amazing older couple who were traveling all around everywhere there were were locals or or at least people who'd moved to Sweden and were living locally Mm -hmm. and wanted to do this as a kind of weekend trip there was me and my brothers there was a whole range of people I mean you Mm -hmm. must meet all sorts of people on all from all walks of life and going through all sorts of experiences yeah definitely and that's that's definitely the most fun part of the the trip for me because I get to meet people that are normally not in my my sphere at all you know and as you can hear from my life story I've spent a lot of time among travelers I've spent a lot of time among people working in the service industry and now Mm -hmm. around um, people that work seasonally you know guides and so on Uh, and it's um it's really interesting um to spend time with and you know it doesn't just go for what people do for a living but you know there's a lot of professionals that come on our trips it's yeah. you know doctors and history professors and um what what have you um and i've i've been quite surprised in a way that everybody's so easygoing and so witty <laughs> and um um that you have such a fun time together it's it's um yeah it's people that I wouldn't normally meet in in my life and that have the most interesting stories and um interesting life experiences and um yeah I've I've been pretty amazed by how well everybody comes together Mm. and you do have that one thing in common that you're um you know you're into some some decadent food and you like nature and you're still willing to sleep in a tent and exactly use a shovel um, (laughs) and all that Uh, and I think that to begin with you have so much in common just there um and um yeah it's just been super interesting to meet people that I would never 
never meet normally. There's something, isn't there, I think, and it goes back to a real um, sort of almost prehistoric tribal kind of feel, that that sense of sitting around a fire together and yeah. making food together. Yeah. You end up having conversations that you wouldn't necessarily have and learning a lot about people very quickly because mm-hmm. there is that sort of sense of storytelling around the fire. I yeah, think. absolutely. And it's also... Um, it's fine to be quiet you know you can just sit around the fire and just and and to to relieve that pressure of because normally when you meet new people you feel a certain pressure to keep conversation going and I think it it just lends itself to way more relaxed atmosphere when it comes to uh, connecting with people that you haven't that you don't know you know it becomes almost easeful in a way that if you were meeting a stranger at a conference or something, it right. totally different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. like, there's something about the, the the calm and the peace of being in nature mm-hmm. um, and in the middle of what feels like the middle of nowhere with no one yeah. else around, it's just you. Yeah. And, and it feels okay to have those quiet moments mm-hmm. and, and also to have the silly moments and to have yeah. the storytelling moments. And it's just, there's something that feels so easeful and calming about it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah definitely um and then also you never know you know what before you never know what who the guests are gonna be and yeah, um, that must be quite scary yeah I find it quite scary actually um that's probably my biggest challenge with you know it sounds like done all these things and but like that scares me <laughs> what, what that, is it that scares you about it do you think um that I don't know um at all what Mm -hmm. the next few days are gonna be and that I have a certain responsibility to um make the group connect and be social and um um, it's it's a different pressure than I normally have in my work yeah you can't just put your head down and work and it's uh, it's a whole other vibe so that uh that does scare me a little bit yeah uh, so before everybody paddles in I'm quite anxious I haven't met anybody yet um and then it always works out uh but I do feel quite a bit of anxiety before that you have like a little code so as we're kayaking in is is Rob sort of there with a colored handkerchief green for they're all okay <laughs> red for oh my god this group is yeah he usually texts me a little bit on whatsapp I'm like how's the group he's like it's a good group <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's always been a good group but like still you don't you know you don't know and you're gonna spend a lot of time with everybody and also if I was just a guest it'd be different but like you do feel a certain responsibility to yeah. kind of be somebody and to to uh, you know make everybody have fun and and you you don't always know either do you when I so if if I run sessions with a group of people like I did one recently I I was at a conference and I did this thing and and I felt like it went okay, but there was a few people I thought they just didn't really connect with it. And mm-hmm. one of them came up to me afterwards and said, that was amazing. I so needed it. Thank you so much. And and it just goes to show you can't tell, because I sat there, she was the one that I thought was really disconnected from it. Right. But she came up and gave feedback that was amazing. So it <laughs> takes time as well sometimes to kind of figure out whether people are getting it. Yeah. And that is nice with having so much time with yeah. everybody um you know you're out there for four days like pretty much you know 24 7 so you do have a lot of time um 
and uh, and, and everybody does have time to to relax and uh, get into more exactly those silly moments and where you have like these internal jokes and because um, yeah. that's how I like to hang out you know in my normal life I, I'm not a big I don't I hate like mingling in some kind of party where you don't know anybody or, yeah. or in yeah like the networking say, in, a in a conference or something like yeah networking I'm not yeah. good at that um so that type of uh when you when you do have time to relax like that and you become when you're just people hanging out and yeah, totally. being relaxed you know so do you we obviously we learned stuff from you um and I feel confident that I can identify sheep sorrel now. And um, oh, I can't remember what are the fleshy little round leaves that we had to pick so blooming many of. I can't remember. Orpine? Yes, yes. Yeah. You can find those in gardens too, actually. Well, I, I have been looking garden. for orpine. I would recognize that at 100 paces now. Um, no, so you we need more. So we definitely learn loads from you. Do you learn things from the guests as well? Yeah, of course. And that connects, I guess, to what we were talking about before, that like everybody has such different backgrounds uh, than I do. So I learned so much from just everybody's stories and uh, both privately, but also professionally. It's like really interesting to hear, um, you know, for example, one year we had um, an air traffic controller that works in the, I don't know what it's called. It's the anyway the one that uh, controls all the airports of London or something and he was oh, telling yeah. me about what it was like at uh, during 9-11 oh, uh, you know for example or I don't know everybody has all kinds of stories like that but then also you get like my favorite moment out of our trip together was when your brother uh, wrapped Mr. Bombastic <laughs> all the way through <laughs> <laughs> that was Richard yes yes he knows all the lyrics that was amazing um so you know it's it's anything anything from interesting stories to just funny moments it's like it's it's great meeting great people you know it's so cool it's such an amazing experience to be part of I honestly I cannot recommend it highly enough I just thought it was magical absolutely magical although I will admit that we then caught the train from Norcorping um to Stockholm mm -hmm. and we were all very grateful of a shower I have to yeah. say yeah we were a little <laughs> bit stinky I think by the time we got to Stockholm but um well you know we we washed by going for a swim which was just amazing that was quite special actually being able to wash in in the streams and, and, mm -hmm. and in the lakes and things it's just amazing but yeah, it was an absolutely incredible experience. And I think he did do that rap one more time um, for us both in Stockholm. Uh, there was, yeah, a few a few too many Swedish beers consumed, but it was it was all you good. Never be too many Swedish beers. No, I agree. There's some good beer out there. Um, so I want to finish by asking one last question, which I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm I'm interested about this because of where you were at this age, I guess. So you would have been probably in the kitchen around then um, in London. But what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? Well, my 21-year-old self was still very much on a path of that I was going to finish an academic education so I was very much in kind of a flippant state of like going traveling and being in London doing that kind of stuff and then going back to okay I'm studying political science now and then it's like, ah, 
I can hold off another six months. I'll go on another trip um, <laughs> and, and going back and forth. But in my head, I was always thinking that, you know, because I did really well in school and that was just the clear path for me to take. And mm. so when I was 21, I actually didn't, I didn't really, it was pretty, uh, I was still on that path that that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, and so I would say to myself that you're going to do the right thing by going a different route. When I finally took made the decision, like, this is not for me. Yeah. I'm probably not going to be happy in the environment that I'm going to end up in. Um, and um, to, to stick with that. But um, on some other notes, I guess I would say to myself to not, I don't know, not be too proud, like to, to ask for help accept yeah. help and to be a little more vulnerable um got myself into many situations where it's just i just have to push and push and push and push and, and maybe it's unnecessary to paint yourself into a corner like that um and also that kind of connects with being so impulsive like my mm. impulsiveness has done a lot of good for me yeah. um but to maybe try to take the time to think some things through a little bit more, <laughs> what the consequences are actually going to be <laughs> from, from this decision. Um, and, you know, to, but it's okay to change, change your mind. You don't have to push through to prove anything to anybody. Go with, go with what you feel is best. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> there is something so important about trusting yourself isn't there mm -hmm. which I think we don't do when we're younger we second guess ourselves all the time and actually maybe it's your impulsiveness your your sort of quick decision making that didn't that meant you didn't get stuck in that way because it feels to me like your life has been constantly moving it's been creating and adventuring and trying things and maybe if you hadn't have had that impulsivity if that's a word <laughs> um it is now and maybe if you hadn't have had that you wouldn't have taken on the restaurant you wouldn't have gone to New yeah. Orleans you wouldn't have started do the north you know there's <laughs> something about that let's just do it and see what happens which is so inspiring I think <laughs> thank you yeah I hope so um yeah, I guess it's later in life that you kind of have to deal with a, some more of those consequences of, of decisions yeah, maybe. You when you're when you're younger. But um, no, I'm I'm really happy about about it all. Uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been easy, but I'm still happy with, with the decisions. So, what next for Do the North? Mm -hmm. Um, what? well, we're in the off season. We work on a lot of things to develop the business. So I do a lot of copywriting but um we're developing more the the winter side of Exciting. our of our business and uh we're just now for example redoing the whole, the whole website to make us into more of a outdoor adventure company rather than just packing um but uh, yeah we're gonna develop the winter winter side of things a lot more and and um eventually we want to kind of try to connect more different activities under the do the north umbrella um but um yeah we're still we're still just kind of trying to get out of the covid 
you know, um, with, uh, with staffing and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're kind of trying to build, build back up to where we were before COVID while still moving forward on some, on some levels. Well, I have no doubt that Do The North is going to continue to fly because it was amazing. So if people have been inspired by listening to this conversation and think, oh my gosh, I want some of that, whether it's camping in the snow in winter, um, possibly for the first time, um, or whether it's going and trying some of your incredible food, which I'm now thinking of those pancakes that you made us for breakfast with the pork. Oh my God, mm-hmm. they were amazing. Um, yeah, d- might not be the best trip if you're a vegetarian let's just say that (laughs) however oh my gosh the most exquisite food my my brothers and I still talk about how amazing it all was so if you want to do that oh also you can do self-guided um Mm -hmm. tours with you can't you so people are really excited and want to find out how they can do that where would they find you Helena how do they go um you just go to our website do the north.com and uh, then you can also follow us on on Instagram also just do the north um yeah that's pretty much it website Instagram (laughs) I will drop those into the show notes so people can access them easily um thank you so much we have tried several times to have this conversation but you're just so blooming busy so I'm so pleased that you found time (laughs) to speak to me today thank you so much I really really appreciate it I can't believe it's six months since we did the trip together (laughs) well thanks so much for having me you are so welcome I'll speak to you soon All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. goodness how fabulous was that I had so many memories come flooding back listening to Helena talk I really really cannot recommend Do the North highly enough it was such a monumentally fabulous trip and something that is for everyone is contained in there and the one we did the culinary adventure was incredible food beautiful scenery the opportunity to wild swim kayaking connections storytelling around the fire all of that and um, we had the great pleasure of Helena and Rob telling us about the winter trip then and it just sounds amazing so something for the winter bunnies something for the summer bunnies something for everyone I hope you enjoyed that conversation I thought Helena's tips around asking for help and um, just kind of trusting your instincts believing in in yourself and that impetuous nature that maybe if you do things just don't overthink them it helps you to push forward on them I love those pieces of advice I hope you found them useful too let me know what you thought about this conversation and do go and check out Do The North they really are an incredible company doing great things If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much.